0: I'm going to try something a little bit different. Actually, it's not that different. I think I did it last year. We're going to take a dive into the Eastern Conference. Look at some weird, abnormal, interesting, advanced stats. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and Let's go golfing. And I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball. And on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball, today's episode is brought to you by PricePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PricePix.com slash use the code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making Lockdown Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So like I said, we are here to talk um, because there's no games tomorrow to preview, you um, because there's no games on for fantasy for Saturday, Sunday, in-season tournament final is tomorrow. I think the Pacers might win. I'm not 100% on that, but that's where I'm at with that. Um, but so what I, we did, that did this last year at some point, is go through the teams and just pick out one interesting advanced statistic. It's sort of like a under-the-lens segment, a deeper dive segment, just to see like what's going on with this guy. Are they as bad or as good as we think? Is there regression or improvement likely to come through numbers that you don't see presented on your regular fantasy app or on your traditional box score? Stuff that doesn't always get uh, picked up or shown. When, so when you're looking at numbers, and we do have a tendency to always look backwards, but what we can look at in terms of fantasy, we want to try and project forwards. Is that, like, that has happened. right? That's done. That's in the books. What, what changes as we move forward? So this won't be for some of you. Some of you will be like, what am I getting out of this? Just tell me, do I trade X for X in a 12-team ESPN points league? And that's okay. This is for those of you who just want to get a little bit deeper into it. Hey, still watch it through, put it on mute, whatever. Just let it play through. Because we are, of course, at Operation 70K. We want 70,000 subscribers here on YouTube. But also, let me know what you think about either format or just chucking something like that different in just to get a different perspective that blends fantasy production, fantasy projections, as well as real-life basketball too. That is what I am attempting to do. So we hope we're able to do that. We're looking at the Eastern Conference here. I guess in the next couple of days, I'll chuck the Western Conference up. Not uh, time to be determined when I do that. And we're going to start with the Atlanta Hawks because they start with A. That's how we do it. And we're going to go to Anyeka Akongwu and look at some of the numbers that Akongwu is putting up. It's pretty bleak in terms of um, advanced numbers for Akongwu. I did put this up. Not all of this up. I put some of this up yesterday on Twitter talking about his um, defensive production this season and how poor it's been. And you can see that reflected in his EPM. Now, EPM is probably the most... There's two advanced stats that I trust the most. um, Well, it's probably three. There's, There's LeBron and all the stuff at Basketball Index. There's Darko, which is a great... Um, advanced stat, which gives a forward-leaning look as well. So it does what have they done, but also some sort of forward projection on it. And there's EPM, which is a, a retrospective. So looking at what has happened, but incorporates box score stats and plus minus. EPM stands for estimated plus minus, And you can find it on the Dunks and Threes website. It, along with Darko and LeBron, are considered the best all-in-one uh, basketball metrics at the moment. So, you can see his overall EPM in the 40th. These all these percentage numbers are percentiles. So where does he rank in the NBA? 41st percentile is bad for a Kongwu, but 24th in defensive EPM. This is a man who was like that's his strength, being a good defender. We talked yesterday about how his block rate was well down and even his block conversion was down, meaning his block rate, his block contest. The block conversion is how many contests do you turn into blocks? That was down as well. So not only was he not contesting as many shots, but the shots he was contesting, they weren't becoming blocks. Now, I think there is a chance that that block conversion goes back up, but the fact that he's not contesting shots is is, a, is an issue. Last season, this man's defensive EPM was uh, in the 72nd percentile, was 83rd the year before. That's what he's hung his hat on. But this year it's all off. I do think there is room to improve. His usage is down, that is true. His efficiency is well down. He was at 72 true shooting two years ago. He's at 64. Maybe that doesn't come back, but I just this is a guy that is a good defender and he's currently shit house at it. And I think that there is going to be <clears throat> there is going to be a change of some degree. But we don't hold on to players forever. I've been on the let's hold on to a Kongwu situation for a bit, but I might have like a week and a half left in me because it's just not improving. I just need to see something start to change, and the defensive stuff is what I'm looking at. Let's go to Drew Holiday in Boston, because I would say that Drew's season has been um, confusing or frustrating, maybe would be the best way of phrasing that, because Drew has been obviously on a new team. He's 34 years of age. There's going to be stuff that that is um, frustrating for us. His steal rate is low. He's in the 17th percentile for steal rate. It used to be one of his big strengths. He's not getting any of them. But his defensive overall metrics are really strong still. But offensively, he is down. You can see 61st percent in offensive EPM there. But what is going on? Why is he so bad there? Well, his um, attempts at the rim, or his shooting at the rim, is bad. Now, I just realized that I did put that at um uh, not percentile. It's not 51st percentile. That's 51% at the rim. And I've realized I've just completely screwed up what I said I was going to do. He's actually actually in the sixth percentile at the rim. Sixth, 94% of NBA players are better than Drew Holiday finishing at the rim. So when we look at his overall field goal percentage, we look at his overall scoring, that's just a number that is not going to hold like that. Like last season, he was 14 percentage points better. He was in the 57th percentile. We expect someone to like him to be in the, around 57 around 60%, 61% at the rim. He is way down, like massively down. And that has... Uh, huge room to improve. So if you're giving up on Drew, the steals is a worry for sure. But some of his offensive stuff and shooting numbers, I would expect that that improves. Let's go to to Brooklyn. Yeah, let's go to Brooklyn. And we're going to talk Cameron Thomas. Of course, we're going to talk Cameron Thomas. You know, we're going to talk Cameron Thomas. That's what what it's about. Thomas is one of the highest usage players in the NBA. 31% usage. That is huge. But is he doing it effectively? Is he doing it efficiently? No, he's not. And again, I realized that maybe halfway through this, I must have screwed up what I'm doing. He's at 51% effective field goal, not 51st percentile. 51%, which is 29th percentile. 71% of players are more effective. Now you can sit here and tell me that's because he's taking harder shots and he's taking a lot of them true. That, that, that is why, right? But is that good? It's good that he's converting them at a decent enough rate. He's at 46% on mid-ranges, which I'll give you a tip. Like that's an extraordinarily high number. So that might even come down further. He takes so many mid-ranges. Like his volume on mid-ranges is through the roof. He's average at the rim, 61%. So he's still inefficient despite being one of the most high volume and strong mid-range shooters because that just doesn't lead to efficient basketball. And... Offensive EPM, 78th percentile. like Pretty good. Defensive, dreadful. Fifth percentile. That's terrible. And that's why we have this disconnect with Cam Thomas is that highlights love him. When he's on, it's great. And when he's off, it's terrible. Like When it's not working, it's bad. And that is why he was taken out of the rotation last season. I'm not saying he's going to be out of the rotation because I don't think that's going to be the case. But there is, even though what he's doing has not been strong, 29th percentile effective field goal, The fact that he's hitting so many mid-ranges means that there is a chance that comes down. Like he could actually hit less of them and become less efficient and become even worse in terms of that overall um, impact, which we're not dropping him in fantasy, of course, but there are a couple of... He is one of the best shooters, I know. But when your game relies on extensive step-back, long contested twos, it is an iffy proposition to expect it to stay that way. Maybe just ignore what I said at the start about like, I'm going to put percentiles in this. I'm, uh, idiot. I'm an idiot. Let's look at Charlotte and let's go to Brandon Miller because Brandon Miller is hitting 56% at the rim. That's 24th percentile. That's not particularly strong. And for a guy that's a six-nine forward with that being one of his strengths, I guess, is getting to the rim or, or finishing at the rim, that needs to improve. He's been pretty good as a rookie. But one thing we always have to remember is that most rookies are actually quite bad from a real-life perspective. And it's helped at the moment, obviously, that Lamelo ball is out. But I do think that Brandon Miller not going to end up as a starter, 30-minute-a-night player on this team. Defensive EPM, 13%. 13th percentile offensive EPM in 49th percentile. He's well below average across the league. He's a m- pretty significant negative in EPM. He's zero in estimated wins. His true shooting is in the 31st percentile, and that's with him shooting 40% from three. Because he's not finishing at the rim, he doesn't hit mid ranges. His free throws have been pretty good, like but bang on average 80%. And there is there is room to the, the thing is when we compare this to like a Cam Thomas, for example, is that he's not being mid at efficiency, which he is mid at efficiency because he's true shooting or his effective field goal percentage sits um, at, what, the 50, 50, 53, 54, that sort of mark. Um, yeah, he's he's got a chance to improve all of these numbers. Nothing sits as crazy. Like He's not going at 75 at the rim. He's not hitting 48% from um, mid-range. He is going to be able to have some improvements in quite a few of these areas. He's not running at 47% from three. So there is expectations that some of these efficiency numbers from Brandon Miller are able to improve over the course of the season. I just don't know that this inefficient level player from a rookie who's dealing with some you know, okay usage, not super high, 19% usage not super high. Um yeah, that Steve Clifford does end up reducing some of the minutes if and when they get healthy. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is the largest and the most exciting daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest one to play because it's not you against spreadsheets. It's not you against salary caps and pros and sharks and algorithms. It's not that. They just put up an individual player projection for a stat and you look at it and you choose more or less. That is all you need to do. And you do that between two to six times, two to six individual player projections, put them into an entry and you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players And stat types are what makes PricePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. PricePix also offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, PricePix discounts selected player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So go to PricePix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PricePix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Okay, let's go back in now and uh, have a look. What's the next team we're looking at? It is your mates, the Chicago Bulls. And let's talk about the big avocado, Andre Drummond, because I want to highlight this because we know there is this talk about the Bulls blowing things up. Um, Nick Vucevic played 82 games last season, but in the past he has had significant injury issues with his lower body. That, that isn't there anymore, but again, 82 games one year ago does not guarantee 82 games or 78 games in the next season. I think we all know this by now. And Drummond is a very interesting player from a, a real-life perspective and a fantasy perspective. He's 49th in offensive EPM. He's 62nd in de- defensive EPM. He's ahead of starters in overall EPM. Uh, Patrick Williams, Kobe White, uh, Dasumu started games, um, Tory Craig started games. He's ahead of all those guys. And he's only behind Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch in terms of uh, EPM on this team at the moment. But what is interesting, he is 100th percentile, the best in the league at offensive rebounding. He's 99th percentile at defensive rebounding, and he's 99th percentile at steal rate. That doesn't always necessarily translate into into that exactly when you move into starters minutes. But he's one of those guys that if Vooch misses, we add Drummond immediately. These numbers, and he has historically been a very good steals guy. He's always been an unbelievable rebounder. And a rebound steals combination players, not all that common. And steals are that wild category we know. They go up and down every week. And they're often the category in a a really competitive category league. The category that it comes down to can often be steals. So that's just one to watch. He's putting up the numbers that he always does. It's just in a very much lower role, 13 minutes a night. If he gets an opportunity due to trade or injury, there's a lot here. And I'm not a big Andre Drummond guy. There is a lot here to be interested in for us. We'll go to Cleveland now, and let's look at Darius Garlo Garland, because it has been a slow start to the season for Garland. Absolutely. But it's not as bad as what it seems. People hyper-focus on, man, look at this guy's turnovers. Dreadful. He's still been like 75th percentile offensive EPM, 72nd defensive. That's really good. Obviously, we don't think of Garland as this great defensive player, 77th percentile overall. He's still not at his best very clearly because his efficiency is down. There are a couple of things to look at. He's in the 14th percentile finishing at the rim, which is obviously quite poor. And then somehow he is hitting his mid-ranges at an insane rate. He's in the Now, now we've actually transitioned back to that um, percentile marker. He's 94th percentile hitting mid-ranges. 94th. So I could talk about Cam Thomas dropping down a little bit in that area you have to expect that Garland is going to drop in that area too. The difference is is that Garland can easily jump up in rim percentage. And if he gets to the rim more and doesn't take as many mid... Because he's settling for a lot of mid-rangers at the moment, which is also a little bit of a worrying sign. He has never been a super strong rim finisher, though. He has never had a season where he has finished above um, 56% at the rim. Well, that's not true, 56.3 two years ago. So while I look at this and say, well, he's in the 14th percentile at the rim, he's at 53% at the rim... There's room for that to improve. He has always been bad there. And that mid-range number is probably going to come down. He does have plenty of room to improve in three-point percentage too. There are a lot of things to be, to sort of settle here with Garland. So the story is nowhere near written. The turnover rate is still sky high, but it is coming down. Um, And I just, there's just, I don't know, a few little things to pay attention to when we're looking at buy lows, sell highs, that that's really high. But, his other, we look at really three shooting splits. What are you shooting from three? What are you shooting at the rim? What are you shooting from mid-range? And one of them is way up and that's his mid, but his rim and threes are well down and they could very easily jump back up, boosting his overall numbers in fantasy. Let's go to Detroit, a guy that we've spoken about a lot on this show and you guys have spoken a lot about in the fantasy community and that is Asar Thompson. Because the... Idea is that Asar has been awesome this season and he's done a lot of highlight stuff. He's doing a lot of things for a rookie that you know we don't really see that often. And some of that is true. But he's still overall um, advanced stats in the negative 52nd percentile overall for EPM because his offense is so bad. He's hitting an unfathomable 14% from three. His offensive EPM is 27th, but defensive 84th is unbelievable for a rookie. Sometimes you'll get rookie big men who provide that number. Never rookie perimeter players. This is unprecedented defensive impact that he has. It is honestly ludicrous what he's been able to do. He's rebounding numbers. 89th percentile for offensive rebound rate as a wing. It's insane. And his block rate is in the 86th percentile as well as a wing. Now, it is obviously really frustrating, the Monty Williams stuff and the rotation, but the numbers that Asara is putting up, have we've seen them very clearly. And I do think that that's why there is some value in holding just to see what happens over these next couple of weeks. Because that rebound rate, that block rate, the solid steal rate, I don't know whether he's ever going to be good in terms of shooting. But one other thing is he's at 60% at the rim, which is good. So he's been able to do that on pretty decent volume. He takes no mid-ranges at all. He doesn't really take any threes, even though he's so bad there. His overall shooting numbers, true shooting 50% is bad. Effective field goal 47 is bad. But if he just focuses more on getting to the rim, where he's actually okay, he's not great, he's okay, and then gets his other stuff, there is better fantasy days ahead, I think, coming for Asar Thompson. Let's go to Indiana, and let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know how much you need me to talk about Tyrese, because he's obviously been awesome, but I just want to offer something. He's the best rated player in offensive EPM in the NBA, 100% are the best. He's also one of the worst in defense, 5th percentile. That does lead to an overall EPM as being 99th percentile. His true shooting is at 69%, which is 95th percentile. He's doing it in the 97th percentile on mid-ranges. Now, we know that Tyrese has been unbelievably efficient, hitting 44% from three. He's at 66 at the rim. That can all hold. I'm a little worried that that level of mid-range shooting just doesn't hold. That's a very high number. He doesn't take huge amounts there. Most of his shot volume comes from three. But last season, 46 from mid-range. The season before, 47 from mid-range. The season before, 47 from mid-range. That is the worry. He's always been a 40% three-point shooter. He's always been a plus 60 rim guy. Always. Always and now he is going at 9 percentage points higher from mid-range. Now, maybe he has improved, but that is just so sky high. He's better than basically everyone in shooting mid-ranges, even though the volume's not that high, but the volume's higher than it was last season. So I'm not telling you to sell high on Tyrese Halliburton. I'm not telling you to get rid of him at all. What I'm saying is that don't be surprised if there is a little run here from Halliburton where things cool off. And don't think that it makes him a fraud or anything like that. They're just, I think there is going to be something that happens that does just cool him off a little bit. We'll go to Miami. And let's look at Jaime Haquez, a very, very largely talked about rookie who I think he's being, um, he's getting the South Beach, the South Beach jerk off too much. There, I've seen people, we'll redraft the draft. Haquez has to go top five. Uh, No, he doesn't in no circumstances. He wouldn't even go top 10, in my opinion. He's been solid, he's been good, and as a rookie, that is, that is good. The impact from him is still not strong. He is 45th percentile EPM, 26th in defense, 58th in, in offense, with some indicators that are going to fall off. His true shooting is 61%. I really doubt, for an inefficient guy all through college, I'm having some doubts. He's hitting 71% at the rim, which is 83rd percentile. Do we honestly believe that Jaime Haquez is, is that elite level of finisher? I don't. He is hitting 39% from three. I don't think that's going to hold. So there are indicators here. He's only playing 27 minutes. Again, I've, I've heard some wild things. I've heard that he that they think that he will just take over and be a starter all season. Hasn't started. Like He's started like one game. And that he's going to maintain 30 minutes a night every night. Is just so, there's just this narrative that builds. Heat culture, perfect heat fit. The Heat have done it again. He's been pretty good. He's been better than an average 18th pick. But there are some things here that I think are where maybe maybe over-exaggerating with what his impact has been and some unsustainability with some some of them. I'm always willing to change my opinion as more data comes through. But when I went and checked all of his stuff, it made sense to me with what I'd been seeing and what I'd been thinking. Oh, he's been all right, but yeah, maybe a little bit ahead of himself and it's probably going to come back. And that's that's still how I feel about Huckers. Really good value at that spot, but let's pump the brakes on yeah this guy being the second best rookie in the NBA, which again, some people have, have said, which is insane. Today's episode is also brought to you by Jace Medical. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin. And we're heading into, or you guys are heading into winter when things like bacterial infections and respiratory tract infections can really ramp up. Now, Antibiotics are not something that you just need to use and throw around willy-nilly. They're not for colds. They're not for flus, but they are for serious infections that can happen. Sinusitis, upper respiratory tract infections, urinary tract infections, skin infections, which can be really, really bad if left untreated. If you can't get access to these things and you're in a remote location, then you're in trouble. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that can be used to treat a long list of bacterial infections like the ones that I just mentioned. You can go to JaceMedical.com and you can have your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important than today to be prepared. So go to JaceMedical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. All right, um, we're going to go through the rest of these teams in a second. Just a reminder, hit the sub button for Operation 70K. And you guys, I'm sure, are going to be here in the chat live, uh, chatting with each other, asking fantasy questions. And I hope you are getting something out of what I'm saying here. Again, it's just little things. And part of what I think leads to, I'm going to say my success, but, but well, not what I, my success, just my enjoyment or what I do in fantasy, is you're just taking little bits of information all the time. You're just always taking in little bits and pieces and and looking and reading and seeing and trying to absorb some stuff. It may end up having no impact, but it might. It might be just enough of a difference to just swing a couple of moves in your favor. And, and I do think that that can be important. And I also just hope it's interesting. I hope we just enjoy getting information. I don't know. Let's look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's look at Brook Lopez because he obviously has been really, really good this season. 68th percentile offensive EPM, 91st in defensive EPM putting up super strong numbers. The block rate was well down to begin the season, and now it's unbelievably high. Um, He just continues to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. His EPM is super high overall, plus 1.4. That's 84th percentile. But one thing that is happening with Brook at the moment is he is rim finishing unbelievably. 79% at the rim, which is 97th percentile. Basically, no one finishes at the rim better than Brook Lopez. And when we talk about Brook Lopez, that's not how we view him. He is a good player. He is a good finisher. He was at he's 79 this season at the rim. 73 the year before. 71, 71, 64, 73. So he's still going to be good. But all these things are important. When you drop down five, six percentage points in an area, it can impact your overall field goals, which impacts your overall scoring. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And his block rate is strong, it's higher than last season. It's his highest block rate since the 19-20 season where he was at 7.9%. He's at 7.4 this season. And it's still going up. His steal rate is the best of his career as well. But there is, I think, some room for regression in his overall efficiency. His three-point numbers aren't as strong as last season and that's fine. That's about career numbers. But he's just finishing at a rate which I'm not not sure is going to hold. Emmanuel Quickly has been a... Interesting story because of the way that old mate Thomas Thibodeau has used him. It's been incredibly frustrating. We had some frustrations for quickly heading into the season about how it would all work out. A lot of the stuff that he's doing is to be expected. 25 usage. Okay. 24 minutes. That was like 28 last season. So that's a real problem. And I'm not sure that he's actually a 12-team league player. But I wanted to highlight something here. You can see that his defensive numbers aren't great. We know this. His offensive numbers are solid enough. That's fine. He is at an insanely low rim finishing number, second percentile in the NBA, and there are four players on the Knicks who are in single-digit percentile finishing at the rim. Jalen Brunson in the eighth percentile, RJ Barrett in the fifth, Quickly in the second, and DiVincenzo in the first, and that doesn't even include Quentin Grimes, who hasn't even attempted enough shots at the rim to be graded in a percentile rank, and he's worse than all of them. So five of their nine rotation players are... Are in the bottom 10% of the NBA in terms of finishing at the rim. So there is going to be some improvement come there. But what I wanted to highlight with quickly, which will obviously impact fantasy value quite a bit, is his steal percentage. He's in the 16th percentile for steal rate. Last season, 73rd. The year before, 56th. He's almost basically at half the steal rate of last season. The scheme hasn't changed. The personnel around him hasn't really changed. He's just not getting steals. And what do we know about steals? They're highly volatile. So he might have a really rough run here to begin the season, but that might spike up at the end of the year. Tom Thibodeau loves a defense, loves a steal. Minutes might jump three or four, and he's back in business. And I do expect that, considering he was 61 at the rim last season, that he's 45% at the rim this season, jumps back up. There is a lot here. While, While he's not producing and we're seven weeks in, there is a lot there with Quickly that can very, very easily turn around. Let's go to your Orlando Magic and let's look at flaming Mo Wagner because we are going to get to that situation where we're in a spot where Wendell Carter is going to come back and somebody is going to move out of the rotation. Goga Badadze is in the 99th percentile for defensive EPM. He's actually second overall on this team in EPM. That's a huge number, plus 2.8. He's been awesome. But Mo Wagner's been fifth. He's still been really good. And that's on the back of unbelievable offensive work. 85th percentile offensive EPM. And in their bench unit, if they're going to play John Isaac uh, a lot there, or even if Anthony Black's getting minutes, I think getting some shooting or some value in there is important. And what he is doing is 98th percentile true shooting numbers for um, Mo Wagner. He's at 74% at the rim. He's at 72% true shooting overall. And the reason his numbers are so high at the rim is he—that that is all he does. He, he doesn't take any shots anywhere else. All he does is take shots at the rim and they go in. This has been an ongoing thing for Wagner. Last season, 67. Seven, season before, 73. He just doesn't take any... He hasn't taken enough mid-rangers at any point in his career to be ranked on EPM's percentile scale. He doesn't qualify for taking enough shots there. He's at 36% from three, an okay number which can hold. He just gets to the rim and they go in. There is probably going to be some drop back here and he's not going to be one of the best efficiency players in the NBA most likely. But I don't think that it's reasonable to suggest that he is just going to be kicked out of the rotation. You could also sit here and argue the same thing with Bedadze saying, well, look how good he's been defensively. Yeah, How could they kick him out of the rotation? Don't know. Usually though, with your second unit center, you want someone who's able to punish opposition backup centers and score at an efficient rate, Montrezl Harrell style, and that's what Mo Wagner does. That is why I think Goga will eventually be phased out, and Wagner will keep that backup role. He won't be a 12-team league guy most likely when Wendell returns, but in terms of minutes distribution, I do think there's enough there to suggest he will stay. De'Anthony Melton has been a guy that often... People in the fantasy analyst community and fantasy management or fantasy manager managers are at odds with. Why do you guys love Melton so much? He never scores. He's so bad. His impact on court has nearly always been positive. From back in his Phoenix days, where he was part of a salary dump, he was a throw-in, so Phoenix could dump Josh Jackson onto Memphis. That's how he got there. I was. I didn't like that Houston even traded him to Phoenix to begin with. And then in Memphis, they kept him in this weird bench roll, even though he continued to be really good. Then he was dumped again. He was dumped again in a trade from Memphis to Philadelphia in exchange for David Roddy, for whatever reason. And he just continues to always be good. He has not had a season in EPM where he has finished below 77th percentile since his first season in Phoenix where he was 30th percentile. Since he was traded to Memphis, 77th, 81st, 84th, 80th, 84th this season. Offensively, 77th. Defensively, 80th. And he is doing all of this while being one of the worst finishers in the rim at the NBA. He is not a good finisher. Giggity. 16th percentile last season, ten the year before, 7th the year before. But there's a big difference between where he was last season at 54% and this season where he is at 44 Just finish more shots at the rim. He doesn't take mid-ranges, doesn't even qualify on the leaderboard. He's hitting 40% of his threes. Just get your rims up to 52. And then you're talking an extra six, seven percentage points on field goals. That's an extra one to two points per game. And then we're we're rolling. So he's been putting up these numbers and this level of impact while sucking in terms of efficiency while not being able to finish. So that is why, again, we really like what he does because maybe the disconnect is also that coaches don't actually see the impact that he does or don't believe in the impact or see him miss two shots in a row and take him off yet every time he is on the court with every situation the team seems to be good and that's one of the things that we do tend to follow it's not a, these aren't fantasy stats rim finishing is not fantasy stat although I believe you can do it on Fantrax. Um EPM is not a fantasy stat plus minus is not a fantasy stat but overall this stuff should always add up to being like we have faith that this guy is going to play and going to be better. And that's where we're at with Melton. So even though Oubre is coming back and maybe he loses one or two minutes, his impact is its honestly undeniable. And there is still room to improve, like massive room to improve. And that should give you a, a, some level of faith. Now, if you want to do the opposite of having a level of faith, we can go to Toronto and talk about Precious Achua. Because he has been one of those guys that I have just never liked as a player. Am I biased against him? Not for anything personal, I just think he sucks. Is that bias? Maybe it is. But he is really showing his sucky uh, nature this season. This is why it never made sense to me why you would limit Yucca Perdle so that Precious Achua could go out there and be in the 5th percentile true shooting. You are a center. I believe the league average for centers is 60%. This man is sitting at 50... No, he's not. He's sitting... Where is he sitting? 48.7 true shooting. He sits 27% from three, doesn't really take any. 19 from mid-range, still doesn't qualify enough. But at the rim as a center, 58%, 58% with 33rd percentile. Dreadful. His defensive EPM as a center, second percentile. What is that? Why was he getting minutes? There are only two players on Toronto with worse impact numbers. One is Jalen McDaniels, which I'm a little bit shocked at. I thought he was a pretty good player. He's He's been poor. And the other one is the prestige penis, Great A Dick, who's honestly been one of the worst players in the entire NBA this season, Dick. Dick is shooting 41 true shooting, 36 at the rim, and 24 from three. Those, Dick's numbers, I, I'm gagging. I would say I'm gagging on Dick. Well, I just did. Those numbers are horrific. When you look at his EPM profile, it's... So many like one, first percentiles, first percentile offensive EPM, first percentile EPM, first percentile estimated wins, first percentile true shooting, first percentile effective field goal percentage. Then we do fourth percentile in um three point percentage. It's just disgusting. He's been, and, but this is a pressure Chua thing. He's also been disgusting, but at least he's been in the rotation. But as a big man to be that bad defensively and that bad offensively, why are you even in the rotation? This all ties into the way that I felt about a Chua all through his career. I just don't know why he plays. Or or cuts into players who are better. Maybe that's a more accurate way of saying it. And lastly, you know we have to do it. We've got to go to Washington. We've got to talk about your favorite player, Jordan Poole. Because it has been a disaster. Very, very clearly it has been a disaster. The advance numbers back it up. You know, you would never guess who the highest... Well, you can go and look. But the highest rated player, according to EPM this season, on the Washington Wizards is... Eugene Omari. What? Yep. Yes. Second is Gafford followed by Kuzma, followed by Avdia. And then way down the bottom, with only three players worse than him, is Jordan Poole. The three players worse, the Moose, Mike Muscala, the, the shitful legend, Johnny Davis, and rookie, Bilal Kulabli, who's also been relatively bad by impact stats. But Poole has sucked. Defensive EPM, fourth percentile. We know he's bad on defense. We know that. That is not a surprise. He's never been that bad before. Offensively, 47th percentile. Last season on offense, 70th. The year before, 92nd. The year before, 84th. This is dreadful. He's actually been a negative in estimated wins. Not even like, like, oh, you're not providing many wins. He is actively taking wins off the table. He cannot shoot at the moment. He's in the 6th percentile effective field goal. He got up to 65th percentile two years ago. And he's finishing at the rim okay. That's not the problem. 61% of the rim is all right. 64 last season, 62 the year before that. He's actually okay there. He's mid-range shooting, 36 is pretty bad. And he's he has had two seasons of 44 and above. So there's room to improve there. For some reason, he just can't hit threes. And I, if there's one thing that I know about Jordan Poole, is that he will be a better shooter than 30% from three. He's actually at 29.8 at the moment. I'm not going to sit here and fool myself into believing that Jordan Poole's a great defender. Even though he still rates the highest of his career. That doesn't equal good defender. His assist rate is staggeringly low compared to where it's been. And I think that if they do trade Tyus Jones, pool's numbers will jump. Um, his free throws, the volume is way down, even from where it was last season, even the percentage is down. But it's this three-point percentage. Why shouldn't he be a 35% guy? He should be. And you know, that effective field goal percentage at six, six percentile, it needs to push back up. It can at least get to the 40s or 50s. And then, honestly, so much of our stuff improves or or takes over. He's been undeniably terrible. Um, The usage isn't, isn't as high as we thought it would be. The minutes are lower than last season somehow. Everything has been bad. And honestly, to a degree, rightfully so, that his minutes have been dropped. But that doesn't really make sense in terms of where this team is heading. All I say here is that there are some things about Poole that have been dreadful and some things that are surely going to improve. And I don't really think it can get any worse from here. I am still holding if I have him. Actually, I don't even have him anywhere. But if I did have him, I would be holding him. But I I get it that it's been really terrible and all of the numbers actually bear this out. So it's not just all on Unseld's terrible coaching and rotation. A lot of this is on um, baddie legend, Jordan Poole. And that is the Eastern Conference done. Sorry for the little screw up in the uh, nomenclature or the displays early on. I hope you were able to find um, something useful. In this I, I hope so and I don't know if that subscribe button already pushed up but if it if it did let's hit it again we're going to hit 70k let me know what you thought what did you think of this show what did you think of some of those numbers did it give you any information was it a waste of time is it just something we can talk about here when there's no games on tomorrow sure go back and look at it later on and maybe we'll, we'll we'll do a western conference one soon then we'll do a recap of this one maybe we'll do the same thing in two months time or whatever If you are on YouTube, we know. Hit the subscribe. That's what you need to do. You also need to hit the notification bell. Leave your comments. Tell me what you thought of the show down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.